0: Time for a PBFG quick hitter. Welcome to an, I guess, early week episode of Please Bet on Football Games. I'm Joe, your host, the keeper of the reel at BMADFTS, and welcome to week nine. Before we get talking about what we're thinking going forward, let's just quickly recap what we did in week eight. So, as for the pod picks that Alex and I made, uh, we had Green Bay, Detroit, Tennessee, the Chargers, and the Cowboys. That makes that means we went three and two. We had a plus 1.77 unit win because Green Bay over Arizona was our best bet, 60% win percentage, and that brings our season totals up to a 9.25 unit profit, a 57.45 win percentage. And an 18.5% ROI. So if you bet a dollar on every game, you made nine bucks. If you bet a thousand dollars on every game, like me, you've made nine thousand two hundred and fifty dollars or so. And for every dollar you bet, you can expect a dollar eighteen or a dollar nineteen back. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Uh, personally, I went way bigger on the Packers on Thursday night than the pod did. I had a, I had a five-unit play on it. Is the biggest bet I think I've ever made, and it is the only reason that I ended up positive on the week. I ended up making four thousand four hundred and seven dollars and fifty-seven cents, despite only winning forty-four point four four percent of my bets. I had Green Bay over Arizona money line and plus three point five because I got in a little too early in the week. I had Tennessee over Indianapolis money line, but I had Cleveland and I had Detroit and I had the Chargers and I had Tampa and I had Cincinnati in a parlay for two units. If Cincinnati comes through, we're talking about a big week, Uh, but that didn't happen. I also had Dallas over Minnesota. I took the money line, even knowing that Dak Prescott would be out. and We'll discuss why I did that a little bit later, but that brings my season total to plus $13,242.57, which is about three and a quarter units up. Even though my win percentage is only 50.68%, my ROI is 11.56%. So the pod picks were a little bit more efficient, but my personal betting style has been a little bit more profitable. (laughs) Whichever one you're tailing, you're making money. And if you're fading either of them, I'm so sorry for your several, several losses. Uh, Alex cannot be with us for this portion of the pod, but I know from talking to him that he was down about a unit and a half or two units, uh, depending on exactly what odds he got Dallas at. Unfortunately for him, he didn't bet quite as much on Green Bay because he wasn't as confident as I was without Devontae Adams. And I think he, has, he puts a little bit more money on his parlays relative to his bet size every week. But either way, that's our recap. I think it's time to get to some segments. So let's just get to some miscellaneous topics, some things that I thought were really interesting over the weekend but that don't really fit into fuck you, pay me, or I fucked up. For instance, I, I've been saying that Patrick Mahomes is just not good anymore. I I mean, he's kind of what he always was, but not even really. Like, he always threw a lot of turnover balls, but because teams are playing him differently, he's not having the opportunity to get those big plays, those elite throws, those chunks that kind of floated him up until this point in his career. So, so far this year, I've graded five, five of his games. Week one against Cleveland, he started really, really, really bad, and then he came on late, and I gave him a B, probably a B- minus for the game. Week two against Baltimore, I gave him a C-. minus. He did nothing special, and he turned the ball over. Against the Chargers, again, a C+. I, <laughs> it was a clean-er game, but turnovers, inaccuracies, just not good football. I graded week five against Buffalo this morning, actually, and it was terrible. He was so inaccurate. He was only accurate on 62.86% of his passes. And then he also fumbled, and he also threw a pick. Like, in each of these games, he's averaging two and a third turnover-worthy plays. Uh, against Tennessee, I only graded, like, the first quarter because the game got so incredibly out of hand, and that was an F. So he had an F against Buffalo, he had an F against Tennessee, and then if you watch Monday Night Football, he clearly had an F against the Giants when he threw five turnover-worthy plays. Dude should have been picked off five times. It it was egregious. So Patrick Mahomes just isn't what he's supposed to be. He never was. Like, I always had him as like a fringe top five quarterback, somewhere between five and ten. Got floated by a great coach and an awesome support system, but it's bad. He's not developing at all, and his accuracy is actually sinking. I think that the Chiefs are in some real trouble here, but again, I can't bet on the Chiefs or I can't bet on the Giants against the Chiefs, plus 10. Because Patrick Mahomes turned in an F performance, and the Chiefs still won. And they are one explosive play from any of their several extremely explosive players from covering that spread. I, it's a really tough spot. But for now, I think I'm just going to have to stay away from the Chiefs in basically every game. Speaking of quarterbacks that are a little bit overrated, uh, I'd like to turn to Sunday Night Football and talk about Dak Prescott. Now, I know what you're thinking. Dak Prescott didn't play, so how is this or how is this a referendum on Dak? Well, it's a referendum on Dak because Cooper Rush is terrible. Like, we've seen him in the preseason. We saw him in college. He's not good. He's fairly intelligent, but he just doesn't have the arm strength or the arm. He doesn't have the accuracy either. He's like Mac Jones, but turned, I don't know, either up to 11 or down to 1. Like It's the same general idea, just less arm talent, less accuracy. So, Cooper Rush, a bad quarterback, put up really good stats in that Dallas offense. And I'm low, personally, on Minnesota's defense, but they're not terrible. And I think that this just goes to show that, one, when you have four legitimate starting wide receivers, because, uh, uh, what's his fucking name? Number one, he's their kick returner, and he's also a a speed demon with legitimate hands. I want to say it's like Cedric Wilson, but... That could be totally wrong. Either way, number one on their team is also a very good receiver and probably not their fourth best receiver. And they've also got Amari and C.D. And while they're both overrated, they're both still legitimately good. Noah Brown showed well for himself. Like, they have a lot of good receivers. And their running backs are good. And their offensive line, even with Tyron Smith out, is still pretty decent. And Kellen Moore is a genius. He makes things really easy. So when you add all those things up, Cooper rushed through for like, what? 300 350 yards in his debut his first ever start as a bad quarterback mind you i would just like people to keep that in mind when they credit dak prescott for being some elite top five top 10 quarterback dak prescott's a different brand of average he's just a different brand of average he's smart he goes through his progressions well but he's not particularly accurate and he's not particularly physically gifted and finally i think that the last quarterback i'm going to talk about is going to be justin fields um I was kind of impressed. He, I gave him a B- for the game, but it was exactly what I predicted before the game. I predicted, like, the 49ers' defense sucks, especially the secondary. Fields will look passable. i will have a drive or two look good. And people will say, oh, he was better without Nagy. He's showing flashes. Because people don't seem capable of understanding that the 49ers are a bad team with a terrible offense and a bad defense. So, I mean, this is a little bit of a fuck you, pay me because I told you exactly how it would go, but I didn't profit off of it because I didn't bet on it. So I'm glad I didn't bet on it because I wasn't sure that Justin Fields could score 21 points. Um, but it turned out that the actual problem was that the Bears defense is not looking hot and they were missing their edge starters and their stud defensive interior. So I get it, but it, it was tough to watch. So I predominantly didn't live. Uh, finally, just can, can I get a quick alleluia? Because the Browns actually did the right thing, and it looks like they're going to be cutting Odell Beckham Jr. I've been saying it for years that OBJ is a bad wide receiver who is living off of hype that he sort of kind of almost earned five to ten years ago. Uh, the guy's never had particularly good hands, and he's never actually been a great route runner in practice. Now hear me out, because the dude is insanely quick, and he knows how to set up defenders really really well the problem with odell beckham is that he's not precise like if he's supposed to run a three-step slant you know sometimes he'll run a two-step slant and sometimes it'll be five or six like you know whatever if he's supposed to run a double move sometimes it's a double move sometimes it's a triple or a quadruple and that's all fine and good but he's got a couple of problems that go along with it if you're going to do that type of shit you can't be trusted as part of a rhythm offense which kind of sucks for him because he is a slot receiver Or at least should be like he leverages his quickness he's not an outside guy as an outside guy you can kind of free ball but when you're a slot guy you have to be regimented and disciplined he's not despite being one another problem is that odell beckham gives up on plays like if he doesn't get the ball when he thinks it is time for him to get the ball he will start jogging he will hesitate he will give up well it's hard to give you the ball in time it's hard to give you the ball early. It's hard to give you the ball when you think you're supposed to get it because you're doing something totally different from everybody around you. Uh, additionally, he's just a fucking head case. So for the last three years, like ever since he came to the Browns, I've been saying this guy is not actually good at football. He needs to be cut. He drops everything. He can't be trusted to run a route properly. He's small. And now that he's sustained a broken leg and a torn Achilles, he's not even fast anymore like, he can still get there. He still, when he needs to run deep, he can turn on the jets and he can go into overdrive and he can still blow past dudes. But the problem is that when he does, he's got his head down. He is running the wrong route. You know, he's veering off of his path and he can't catch. And I like to rag on Mike Lombardi, but I'll give him this. I heard him talking a few days ago about how, or a few weeks ago, rather, about how when a older wide receiver's hands start to go, it's a sign that what's really happening is their legs are starting to go. And you can see that. Anytime Odell Beckham gets the ball in space this year, it has been underwhelming. It looks almost as if he's hesitating, but the reality is he just doesn't start and stop the way he used to. I think that if Odell Beckham was raised differently and had a different mindset and a different attitude, <laughs> that maybe he could still play in the NFL as a good slot. You know, Randall Cobb had a very similar skill set, if you ask me, and Randall Cobb is still in the league and still a valuable player because Randall Cobb will play within the system. Randall Cobb will run the actual route. Randall Cobb is reliable and simple. Odell Beckham refuses to do any of that shit. Odell Beckham can't conform and he can't fit in. So I don't see any reason why anybody should have him on their team. Also, every route that he runs is wasted opportunity cost. because I know what you're thinking. Like, there's a few different ways. Alex loves to say, you know, have him out there because perception is reality. And just having him out there as a decoy will significantly alter how defenses play you. That's all well and good. But the thing that I find a lot more valuable than a decoy is an actual option. So in the Browns case particularly, I would rather have Donovan Peoples-Jones on one sideline, Jarvis Landry at one side, or in the slot rather, and uh, Hollywood Higgins Rashad Higgins at the other sideline because I trust all three of them to catch the ball and if they're not going to catch the ball I at least trust them to hustle and I legitimately think that with the exception of Landry they have more athleticism on the field so give me options don't give me decoys remember that it doesn't matter how open you get if you can't catch the ball it doesn't matter how open you get if you're not where you're supposed to be and therefore it's difficult for the quarterback to find you and remember the human element of this thing like if somebody is just constantly a pain in your fucking ass all the goddamn time and they're not very reliable, even if they're technically an option, are you really going to treat them like an option? Like, are you really going to consider throwing to them? Are you going to throw to the guys who are more reliable, who are, you know, a good teammate, who are simple, who are always where they're supposed to be? There's a reason that people like Tom Brady don't usually have players like Odell Beckham on their team. Like Antonio Brown, you might be saying, like, oh, he's a head case. Well, Antonio Brown runs perfect routes. He's always exactly where he's supposed to be. And Antonio Brown, despite being older, is significantly faster and quicker at this stage in their careers. And Antonio Brown has decent hands. Not good, but decent. So keep that in mind when Odell Beckham passes through waivers and is not signed keep that in mind when he inevitably signs with a team like the Saints or the Ravens and then produces nothing for the rest of the season. Odell Beckham's done. The days when Odell Beckham was a fun, good wide receiver are long gone, and I'm sorry. All right, let's do a little bit of I fucked up. So um, I had a couple during the Browns game that uh, they're a little bit jokes, but they're also not entirely jokes. So one of them is that uh, my boy Ern Dearness Johnson might not be an all-pro running back. Uh, this came up because I had a really fun time telling Alex that I legitimately think Dearness Johnson should be getting carries over Nick Chubb. I don't think that Nick Chubb is special. I don't think many running backs are unless they're just like blazingly fast and like or truly elusive. And I don't think that Nick Chubb is either of those. I think that Nick Chubb is smart and a decent runner in every single facet, kind of Matt Forte style where like he's not awesome at anything and he certainly can't catch. But... Uh, against the Steelers, Dearness Johnson kind of regressed back to who Dearness Johnson is. And that is a guy who has shaky hands, and his vision is solid, but not as good. And his power is good, but not great. I I don't think Dearness Johnson's a special running back. And if you're not a special running back, I can't justify taking Nick Chubb out of the game to play you. Uh, Another fun little Browns one I had is, uh... I, I've really I've really hated Jarvis Landry for a long time, and I've hated him even more than I've hated Odell Beckham. I hate I hated the Browns acquiring both receivers because I think that neither is actually very good. In fact I think that both of them are below average and actively hurt your team. But I will say, I think Jarvis Landry is better than Odell Beckham at this point, because despite being short and ridiculously slow and having inconsistent hands, at least I know where Landry's gonna be, and somehow he does get open. somehow he, he seems to get covered by linebackers and defensive ends and he can beat them so i guess that really the point that i'm making without knowing i'm making it is that the browns wide receivers might be some of the worst in the league because I'm going to tell you right now that Anthony Schwartz is terrible. I I know that he's really, really fast in theory, but you never see it on the field because he's always so lost and he doesn't really start and stop very quickly. He can't catch, he can't track a ball. The guy's just fucking worthless other than his speed, but his speed never manifests because he doesn't know where he's going and he doesn't start fast. So that kind of sucks. The Browns are in a tough spot, and yet I almost promise you that I will be betting on them this week. Let's get the fuck you, pay me. I mean, Dak Prescott is overrated and Patrick Mahomes is trash. But, I mean, Mahomes I can't really get into here because I didn't make any money on it. Dak, on the other hand, I did make money on it. I sat down and I thought, I've watched way too much Dak Prescott football. I've watched damn near every game he's played in the NFL, and I've charted it, and I've gotten way too much heat from crazy Cowboys fans and, what's his name, Steven Ruiz? Whatever, the fucking ass hat from the, uh, not the athletic, the ringer. I'm just slandering everybody right now. Well, either way. Dak doesn't do anything special. Dak misses a lot more throws than people notice. He's not actually a particularly accurate quarterback. Most of his production just comes off really, really easy, really, really simple reads and really well-designed plays. I give Kellen Moore a ton of credit. The guy is really good at his job. But either way, that's why I tossed two grand on the Cowboys. I thought that the line was inflated significantly, and I think that the Vikings kind of fucking suck. I've been over it just about every week, but I think that the Vikings are the biggest fraud, or one of the biggest frauds in the NFL right now, simply because people like to look at the games they could have won, or the games they maybe even should have won, and not at how impressive those wins are, or the games they should have lost. So, I'll continue fading the Vikings, and I think the Cowboys probably have value if Dak's out. When Dax in, the value goes down a little bit, but them and the Packers have kind of been in this weird spot where both teams are valuable to bet on simply because even though they're overrated, they're playing against really bad teams or really overrated teams, such as the Cardinals. That's another fuck you pay me. Kyler Murray sucks. Like he's really not very good. And this year people have been giving him MVP hype and I've been saying his best games are B pluses. And even those are kind of gracious on my part. He put in an F performance against the Packers. He was terrible. He gets lucky because he has really great receivers and a really great offensive coordinator in Cliff Kingsbury. They get the ball out quick. It's a lot of screens. And when it goes deep, he usually just throws it up high. And it, he's got New Hopkins and A.J. Green, and they can go get it. And if it's not them, then it's one of Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore, or Andy Isabella just being fucking really fast and blowing past defenders. So... I'm going to continue betting against the Cardinals. Unless, of course, Kyler Murray misses this week as he's rumored to possibly do or not do. If Kyler Murray's out, I'm probably going to bet on the Cardinals because I don't think the difference between him and Colt McCoy is that big, especially in this offense that is so heavily based on screens and just not fucking up a very simple play. But the Cardinals are overrated, like the Steelers were last year before them, and it wouldn't shock me if they ended up finishing in third or fourth place in that division. Third, only because I think the 49ers are fucking even worse. I think I kind of just implied a bet there for you guys, but I'll, uh, I'll let you put the pieces together yourself. So overall, kind of a weird week. Like, the quarterback play was bad. Um, the only—Justin Fields got a B-minus, as I said, and then Baker Mayfield actually played a pretty damn good game despite having limited opportunities and getting just absolutely sabotaged by his teammates. I gave Baker an A-minus. I gave Rodgers a D, Kyler an F, Big Ben an F, Fields a B minus, Josh Allen a C minus, and that was gracious. Tom Brady turned in his first poor grade with a C. Justin Herbert also got a C, and Mac Jones got a C minus. It wasn't good. Justin Herbert, we might actually need to revisit him because he looked bad at times. I he he strung it together a couple times. He had the nice touchdown pass, and in that that final drive, he really. Played on point, but how do you give any value to playing on point in against a prevent defense at home? Uh, Tom Brady actually was playing awesome until those that back he didn't have any interceptible throws, and then that final drive he had two terrible interceptible throws in a row. Add in that fumble that he had, which was terrible, and a game where Tom Brady was accurate on seventy four percent of his passes turns to shit. If he could just, if if we just start over and we go back to before he threw those two consecutive interceptable balls on the final drive, Tom Brady's rocking a plus seven. It's looking like at least a B to B plus game. He's accurate on 80% of his passes, but comes out in overtime trying to go deep, even though he had tons of time He could have been throwing it underneath, could have been using the middle of the field. Tries to go deep to the outside when receivers just aren't open. Terrible, terrible decisions that I cannot explain. And that's where we end up. Finally, I guess we can go to gas or fade. Um, funnily enough, just before Aaron Rodgers happened, and by Aaron Rodgers, I mean the whole COVID fiasco, I literally wrote down, I think it's finally time to stop gassing Green Bay because they did not look good on Thursday. Their defense looked really bad, and Aaron Rodgers was really bad. He, I gave, I gave him a D, and again, Generous. A very high percentage of his uh, completions were extremely pedestrian. I I was not impressed. He ate a sack. He threw a pickable ball. He had the one elite throw, two great throws, one solid throw, 21 pedestrian throws, and 11, 11 bad throws that were not interceptable. And then he got COVID. And it's actually been really funny for me to watch the entire NFL mediascape just implode because, and I've sent you this text if I know you, the media's snarky, woke, like, west coast Berkeley grad golden boy, like, just became a 80-vax Neanderthal and people can't handle it, and it's really fun for me because I've hated Aaron Rodgers for a really long time, and I've thought that he was half of what he's cracked up to be for a really long time. So maybe now, the media will stop peddling all that. Aaron Rodgers has only had one first round pick wide receiver. And start talking about how more draft capital more draft capital has been expended by the Packers on his wide receivers and tight ends than by any other team in the NFL over the course of his career. Because they keep on using second round picks on wide receivers, like Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams, all of whom are really, really good. Second round picks. And then also maintaining you know, top three offensive lines every year. But again, not much to talk about. Uh It's going to be a battle of the, ugh, how are you this disappointing when the Packers play against the Chiefs this week? And I'm going to have to go back and watch some Jordan Love so that I can decide how exactly how terrible he is. Because I know that I think he sucks, but it's more so just that he's really, really, really stupid than it is that he's really, really, really bad. Like his, his arm strength is awesome. And his accuracy, I remember, not being terrible. It's just that the decisions underlying his throws were, like, the worst I've ever seen. So who knows? Maybe he figured some things out. But I highly, highly, highly doubt it. People don't change. Quarterbacks are not an exception. Oh, I guess I'll throw in that Von Miller getting traded to the Rams, to the extent he even plays, because he's not healthy right now, to the extent that he eventually plays. I think it's nice. I don't think it really changes much. Like, yeah, good for them for making the trade because they gave up late round picks to get cap flexibility on a player who helps them. He's easily their best edge rusher immediately, but I don't know. He's a little bit washed. I mean, he's going to get singled a lot because Aaron Donald is not going to get singled ever, but this doesn't really change what I think about the Rams, who I have as the best or second-best team in the NFL. It's based totally on offense and not at all on their extremely overrated defense. So that'll be it for the recap pod. Keep your eyes out because tomorrow morning I'll probably be putting out the call. I think Alex will be back for that, but we will see. Uh, and let me know. You hit me in the DMs if you think that this format works better or you think that, you know, the shorter recap pod works better. I'm open to suggestions. Anyhow, this is Joe, the keeper of the reel, asking you to please watch football games because it'll make it a hell of a lot easier for us to bet on football games. Asta.